Thank you for joining Life Builders Church in Rangar. We pray that this message encourages and inspires you. Ah, silent hope. My daughter, my, sorry, my, my daughter, my wife is smiling at me because um, what my wife does is she prays in the car about two weeks before I preach for a, for a title of a sermon and every one of these sermon titles comes from God through her and then I look at the sermon title and the Bible verses and pray very hard. And it's kind of funny, I don't know if Dave and Jake had this experience, but you sit down to write a sermon and you start typing and you look up about three hours later and it's on the page and you cannot remember a word you've written. And then you read it and you're like, wow, that is just amazing. So we just praise God for his goodness and thank him for all that he does for us. So let's just have a quick prayer before we dive in um, and then we'll get into silent hope. Lord, we just thank you that we are together again and that we have hope in you. And we just pray that you'll speak to each of us as you've spoken to me, as I've reread this a few times over the last two weeks, Lord, and I just pray that your hand will be on each of us today. Amen. Well, for those who missed it, today is... Hang on, is this going to work? No. Up. No. Ah, today's Valentine's Day. Um, I'm going to share a little story I heard yesterday, but I'm not going to name names. I heard a story yesterday about... Um, um, a lovely young man who gave his wife a flower. And I'm going to, I'm going to paraphrase this a bit, so forgive me if I get it wrong. Um, and the young daughter looked up and said, it's nice to know, Daddy, that you finally love Mum. Is that about right? I think that's about right. It's close enough. <laughs> and isn't that beautiful? It's just beautiful the way that we show each other that we're loved. Now, Valentine's Day is full of silent hope. If you ever think about Valentine's Day, it's full of silent hope. It's full of for some people, what am I going to get? For some people, does somebody love me? And there's all sorts of hope that goes on. I did a bit of research on Valentine's Day just because I was interested and this is what Google told me. So if this is incorrect, you can blame the Encyclopedia Britannica. This day was set aside by the Pope in 496 AD to remember St Valentine, who, it is said, was put to death in 269 AD. Now that doesn't mean a lot. until you dig into why was he put to death in a horribly gruesome way? Because in 269 AD, the Catholic Church was oppressing Christianity and St Valentine was out there offering silent hope to Christians and his own religion couldn't handle it. So they killed him. They martyred him. And it's just horrible. You see this all through the world today. How many people are crying out for help and Christians and others are out there silently hope, helping? You look at the Salvation Army, you look at Tia, you look at World Vision, they're all out there silently giving hope to people in need. But the other thing that I found interesting is the Pope actually put it on this day to combat a pagan fertility ritual called Lupercilla. So he was actually providing silent hope to the people. He was trying to take away the paganism and substitute a Christian viewpoint. Quite a smart guy. Silent hope for the people. If you accelerate forward, in the 14th century... Valentine's Day became associated with the lovebird. There is actually a bird called the lovebird that pops out about that time of year. In the 18th century, it's where couples exchanged flowers and gifts as an expression of their love. In the 19th century, we went commercial. But importantly, it changed to become an offer to unlock the heart of the sender or the giver. And that's what I grew up with. When you sent someone a Valentine's Day, you were saying, respond positively and unlock my heart. Yeah, I see some smiles in the audience. Does that make sense to people? Yeah, have, you, have you been through that? I see a lot of smiles, some guilty smiles too. 
I was never successful in that, so I can't um, comment. But it's interesting, but that's a silent hope. When you go out of your way, it's a silent hope, isn't it? And you know, I'll see people looking there going, so Murray, what on earth does this have to do with us and Jesus? Now that's a brilliant question. Let's have a bit of a look. Ooh, it worked. Where do we take our hope? And we just talked about this. Where do we take our hope? There is only one place that we can take our silent hopes, and that is Jesus. Hebrews 4, 16 uh, Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in our time of need. Silent hope is prayer. When we need something, when we're desperate, where do we go? We fall on our knees before the throne of grace and Jesus, our great high priest, mediates for us. He's been on the earth, he's holy God, he's holy man, he understands everything about us, he created us and through him we come before the almighty Father in silent hope. He created us, he loves us and he wants to talk to us. Isn't that amazing? That just blows my mind. I wake up in the morning, I shoot off a prayer to God this morning and then I stopped and went, I'm actually talking to the creator of the universe. Blows me away. There is nothing we need fear here when he is on our side. Silent hope is prayer. So where can we see some examples of silent hope? Elijah. Elijah was a great prophet of the Old Testament and he lived under the worst kings you've ever seen, King Ahab. And that guy was a complete nutter. You look around the world today and you can pick on any world leader you like and they've got nothing on this guy. He was an absolute... He was out there. But Elijah had silent hope in God. There are so many stories in the Bible about Elijah. I've just picked out three. The first one, Elijah went to King Ahab and said, there's going to be no rain until I say so because God has told me. What did he say? Elijah said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, before who I stand, standing before the throne of grace, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And there was no rain. Until a cloud came up, God showed Elijah, and if you go through the story, it pelted down rain and he outran a chariot. Fantastic story. The guy had silent hope. During this drought, Elijah went to a lady and her son, And he walked up to them and he said, bake me a cake. And she said, I've only got enough flour and oil for one. And what did he say? But thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. That lady and her son baked him a cake in silent hope that God would come through. And he did. Their oil never ran out, their flour never ran out until the rains came. God supplies. But later on, the lady's son died. And what happened? Elijah called out to God for help. 1 Kings 17.22 And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah and the life of the child came back to him and he was revived. Silent hope through prayer. We're getting the picture. This is the power of the Lord Almighty that we can tap into. Our God is a God who answers 
prayer. We're going to have a quick look at Elisha. Elisha was Elijah's protege. He was his 2IC. He was the next guy to come through, the guy who had the baton handed over to him. They're wandering through and what happens here in 2 Kings 2, 1-2. Now the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind. That's a first. Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal and Elijah said to Elisha, Please stay here for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. And for those who were at prayer time on Wednesday night, we went through this and it went on and on and it kept getting sent somewhere and he kept saying, stay here and he kept saying, no, I'm coming with you. Why? Because he had silent hope that he was going to take over. So what happens? In 2 Kings 2, 9 and 11, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, you have asked a hard thing. Yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be. And they went on and talked. And behold, chariots of fire and horses separated the two. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. What an amazing story. The guy went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha received a double portion of Elijah's spirit and went on to do amazing things for God and Israel. He had silent hope. The key here is that what you're starting to see is that silent hope under God becomes powerful, loving purpose. When we bring it before the throne of grace, it changes from hope to powerful purpose. Let's have another look. Our disciples, our disciples had silent hope that Jesus was Messiah. They had silent hope that Jesus wasn't crazy. If you look at Jesus Christ, you've only really got two options in life. Either he is the eternal son of God, who everything he said about himself is true, or he's a complete nutter. They're the only two options you've got. And the disciples had silent hope that Jesus was more than a rabbi, that he was God. They're out in the boat, the great windstorm comes, the waves are breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him up and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he woke up and he rebuked the wind and the sea. Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Why do you still have no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? You see what happened with the disciples? They still didn't believe. They had hope because they woke him up. But they still didn't believe. And they even accused him of not caring. How many times in our lives have we gone before Jesus and accused him of not caring about what's going on in our lives? And what does he say? Peace. Be still. I've got it, guys. I'm God. Stop worrying. I've got this. And then he asks the most important question. Who am I? The most important question every single one of us has to answer on this earth is who is Jesus? Because on that question determines your entire life, your entire eternity, everything you believe. Who is Jesus Christ is the question that we all have to answer. Yet we still ask, don't we? We still slip up. But the disciples changed. 
they went from hope in the, in the boat, they saw Jesus rise, he rebuked them in the upper room and then three of them went up the mountain with him. And after six days Jesus took with him Peter, James and John, led them up a high mountain by themselves and he was transfigured before them and his clothes became radiant, intensely white as no one on earth could bleach them. There appeared with him Elijah and Moses and they were talking with Jesus. This is the Elijah we just looked at. Elijah who passed the baton onto Elisha. Moses, the great prophet, the great teacher, the lawgiver of Israel. Who passed the baton to? Joshua. Jesus, who passed the baton to? The disciples and onto us. You see the similarity here? Each one of these people took silent hope and turned it into loving, powerful purpose. My dad always used to say to me, he was a preacher, and he'd say, son, the funny thing about God is he has no plan B. He has plan A and you're it. There is nobody else. We're it. He has placed the entire baton in our hands. And what does he tell us to do? He tells us to go. Go into the world and share my love with others. The disciples' fear became powerful, loving purpose. Joshua's fear became powerful, loving purpose. Elijah's and Elisha's fear became powerful, loving purpose. So, interestingly, we're not talking about silent hope anymore. There is no silent hope. Our Lord has died and raised again. There's nothing silent about this. It's broadcast from the rooftops. Satan is defeated. Jesus is king. He is at the right hand of the eternal Father. This isn't something to be silent about. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the only way. And we do that through simple, loving unity. He calls us to be family. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So after this, just in the last slide after the sermon, everyone's going to get one of these. This is a little thing. This is Murray's artistic capability. It's a little heart. And on it is written, love is what binds us together. Love is what turns silent hope into loving surety. Love is what God is. John 15, 12. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. I want you to take one of these, two of these, three of these. And there's a very special reason why, which we're going to get to right now. Matthew 28, 19 to 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. One of the great complaints I've had over the years as a pastor is you tell us these things but you don't tell us how. Okay? We're going to get into a how in a second. So one of the things that we keep talking about, and Susan's going to go and hand a bunch of these out, we keep talking about we need to know God, we need to grow in God, and we need to go. And we need to do this through head, our choices, our heart, and our hand. And we need to do it in simple loving unity. So what is Valentine's Day? If we remember back, Valentine's Day, from slide one, and I'm going to have to read this so I don't forget, unlock the heart of the sender or giver. So I'm going to help everybody today. You've got one of these. Find somebody to give it to. Find someone to give this to and say, on Valentine's Day, or this is Valentine's Day on Sunday, or I got this from my crazy pastor on Sunday. 
Jesus loves you. Pick it up. Unlock the heart of the sender or the giver. This is just a seed. It's a water of the seed. It's a something to give to somebody to share. It's got a magnet on the back. If you don't want to give it, stick it on your fridge. Think about it. This is a practical way just to give to somebody and say, Jesus loves you. And when they look at it and they go, well, okay, I don't want it, and they throw it in the bin, that's their choice. But that's not what we're called to do. We are called to go, therefore, and make disciples. So on this Valentine's Day, I really just want to encourage everyone, take this, or if you don't want to use this, go and type out a verse of the Bible, stick it in a card and give it to someone. Give them something of Jesus this week. Put it up on your fridge at work. Put it on your door at work. Do something just so you've got an opening. Ask someone tomorrow, what did you do on the weekend? And when they ask you, just go, I did blah, 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 blah. Oh, but I went to church on Sunday and heard a great sermon on Valentine's Day. Would you like a gift? It's just an opening. That's what evangelism is. Evangelism is not sitting there and converting someone on the spot necessarily. It's simply about sharing Jesus at every opportunity. And the Holy Spirit will do all the work for us. All we have to do is be available. So what I want us to do, as we normally do at the end of our sermons here, is we want to take 10 seconds, 20 seconds. We're just going to bow in prayer. I want you to really, really think about I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I want you to think about no, grow, go through head, heart, hand in simple loving unity. This is the hand. This is the grow. Go. Who can in loving unity we share Jesus Christ with this week? Let's pray. Father God, you have said that the harvest is there. We're the workers. Lord, we've prayed about people in our lives. We've prayed about opportunities. Lord, we pray that the Holy Spirit will move this week in our lives and those we've prayed about. And we pray that an opportunity will open up and that we'll be able to take that opportunity and recognise it and help that person take the next step. Quite often evangelism, Lord, is just about opening a door slowly. And you crack it open and you crack it open and you crack it open. The Holy Spirit does all the work in that person's life. Lord, we just want to be good and faithful servants for you. We just want to share your love with those around us. We want to come to know you more, to grow into you and to go into the world so that we can make better choices, change our heart and our actions so we can live together as a family in simple loving unity. We pray, Lord, that you'll grow your family, be it here or someone else, because we are a kingdom church, that people may come to know you, the eternal Son of God, their Saviour, their hope, And in that, that they may discover the purpose for their life, Lord, which is to worship you, to understand more about you, and to go into the world and share you. And we pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. We pray you've enjoyed this message from my quarters church in Rainbow. For more information about our church, please go to our website at www.lifebuilderschurch.org.au. Until next time, God bless.